This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Proust Questionnaire podcast. I'm Caroline Weber with Uli Baer. It's my pleasure to introduce our next guest, Cecile David Vey, a dear friend and a terrific writer. Uh, Cecile is divides her time between Paris and New York, and she is the author of four books, three of which are available in English translation: um, Crush. The Suitors, and her most recent book, which, unlike her other three books, is not a novel, but is a book about parenting called Parents Under the Influence. Uh, Cécile, for a while, also wrote a column for the prestigious French magazine Le Point about uh, life in New York, as explained by a French person to French people, and that is available in a collection of her essays called Paris, New York. Cécile has a website where you can find out more about her works. It's Cécile david-weil.com and she's on Instagram under Cecile David Weil. The Instagram for Caroline is carolineweber2020. Mine is uli.bear and for the podcast it's post.questionnaire where you can learn about more episodes that are forthcoming and also previous ones with authors, photographers, artists, economists, filmmakers and other people who've inspired us and who really are change makers. It is such a pleasure to have her on our podcast today. Thank you, Cecile, for being with us. Enjoy this episode and happy 2021 to everyone. <laughs> so tell me, when, where is that, uh, that, that going to be broadcast? Is it uh, something that you put on a uh, website or? No, it's going, it goes out as a, as a podcast. So it goes to every platform iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wow. and then and then we have our own website. But most people will look at, will stream it on their phone from whatever app or Spotify or something like that. So it goes to all of those platforms. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. I know instant celebrity, Cecile. Although, uh, yeah, your, ce- <laughs> your celebrity will help ours. I think. Oh <laughs> yes, for <Yes>. sure. <laughs> Welcome to the Post Questionnaire. 35 questions giving us insight into what makes creative people tick. Welcome, 
Cecile Davidve to the Proust questionnaire. Yes, so welcome, Hi. Cecile. Thank you so much for making time today on Zoom. So you're, we're talking to you in France, right? Yes, absolutely. I'm in southwest of France, and I'm super happy to be with you. So I'm excited. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So Cecile, we'll start with the first of these 35 questions. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Well, you know, in fact, it is now about joy. Um, the joy of being, a, of being alive. Uh, I, it has changed because before that, uh, uh, it used to be that all my children and grandchildren um, were not just healthy and happy, but literally over the moon. So, since, but it almost never happens that everybody is happy at the same time. <laughs> uh, it never allowed me to be truly happy. And it made me fear anything that spoiled this perfection. So, in fact, um, in fact, I have become a little wiser, but also especially more, uh, uh, I would say, older. So, I have realized that having been through challenges may be better. So maybe it would be the same for my children. And so even if I, it makes me uh, sad to see them suffer, it doesn't prevent me anymore from feeling the joy of being, al of being alive. Oh, that's so wonderful. What is it uh, that changed for you that brought you from this perspective where all of your children and grandchildren had to be happy to now you can be, feel joy in being alive? Well, the, the fact that I realized that the challenges um, were, it looked terrible, and then there was always an upside to it. So mm -hmm. if it was that for me, maybe it could be the same for my children. So then I thought each time there's something bad happening to them, I, I always try to switch to, oh, but there's probably something good in there for them too. So I don't need to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not totally spontaneous as a process, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it works and it allows me to, um, yeah, to connect more to the joy, in fact, of being alive. So that's what I, yeah. I would say. Cecile, the second question is, um, what is your greatest fear? Well, that's a quick one. It's to lose, uh, you know, a loved one. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 No, the... Uh, yeah, it's hard to connect to that joy if, if somebody you care yeah, about yeah. is gone. Right? Yeah, that's an easy one. Hmm. Yeah. What, what is the trait you most deplore in yourself? Well, I think I would, uh, I, I wish I was more adventurous, you know. Oh. Um, I see documentaries uh, and I hear about people that, uh, who are the same age as my children and who have accomplished amazing, extraordinary achievements. And I think, what was I doing at that age? I mean, my, <laughs> my life until now, at least, uh, has been very quiet and subdued. So that's what I would like, yes, to be more adventurous. Okay. <laughs> what is the trait you most deplore in other people? Um, well, I would say, you know, self-loathing, um, mm. because in fact, I deployed myself too, and I, it, it is really um, a kind of prison that, that prevents you from um, opening to others, to opportunities. So, yeah, self-loathing is, is really something that is, um, yeah, it, it, it makes it difficult to, 
to communicate with other people who are imprisoned in their own kind of self-loathing. Yeah. 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 There's a selfishness to it, I guess, right? That if you're yes. just looking at yourself and all the things that yeah, you made it self-centers you all the time. And I, I do it myself, so I know it's 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 freeing when you when you can give it up because then you think, oh, okay, who cares? And then you can actually communicate. Right. Which which living person do you most admire? Uh, I would say Bill Gates. Uh, <laughs> Because the philanthropist Bill Gates, because you know, taking in its uh, in his hands, in his own hands, the task of changing the world for the best, and and you know, his crusade with uh, to cure dysentery, to malaria, you know, to push agricultural development. It's uh, you know, I'm blown away by such an ambition and the humility in which he does it. So I, I am kind of impressed by by the guy. Yes. Yeah. Have, you, have you met Bill Gates in person? No, 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 never. No. <laughs> He's supposed to have changed quite a bit uh, from a very introverted tech guy to someone who actually can hold long conversations. <laughs> yeah, and have you met him? I have not met him, no. I've, se no? I've seen him at events, but I've never met him, no. But, I, um, okay. but it's, it's, a lot of people admire him right now, especially because he's picking up the slack that's lacking in political leadership. Yes. Yes, yeah. and uh, yeah, and the fact that he's going to take, uh, you know, the, the the issue of that uh, virus is probably going to make him give up a lot of other things that he was taking on. So, yeah. I mean, um, it's too bad that the, it seems that the only one guy going to work to to all the problems. So, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. What is your greatest extravagance? Well, I love plates. <laughs> beautiful <laughs> you know each, each time I see beautiful plates I believe they would be so useful it's so amazing to have them and I never seem to have enough and in fact I have a sideboard filled with them that actually Caroline um knows and helped me arrange and organize so I'm crazy about plates and uh I can't seem never to have enough <laughs> and I remember when we organized your sideboard in Biarritz, I got yeah. kind of discouraged because I'm always looking at plates for as a house gift for you. And you, <laughs> you, kind of, you said several times once the sideboard was arranged, well, I guess I should never have any more plates. <laughs> I thought, oh no, <laughs> what can I, I bring yeah. to Cecile as a hostess gift if it's not plates? So, <laughs> do you manage to eat off of most of them at some point or other do you manage to use them all yeah yeah I, I do i do in fact i do uh, i mean i think i could change all the time and i have some rooms for some more improvement i found some more space oh so. <laughs> excellent news yeah uh, and i i have a few friends like me that hide from their um their husband or their wives their their plates to uh, behind the bed you know underneath the bed because they don't <laughs> dare to say that they have bought some more so it is a disease <laughs> i actually think my mother might do that come to think of oh, it. she's obsessed it yeah <laughs> and my father doesn't understand so yeah sometimes maybe it's better to hide what is your current state of mind well it's it's quite it's quite zen actually um 
considering the circumstances, well, first I'm in Biarritz, which makes you zen. Uh, I mean, it's really not hustle and bustle and it's very, very calm on the virus front. So it's easier. Um, but, um, and also writing uh, is a great way to keep a, a healthy distance with the outside world and, and, and focus uh, within oneself. So yeah, I would say I'm, I'm zen. <laughs> mm. And you're, so you're writing now in Biarritz? Yes, I am. I am. I'm writing a novel, yes. What do you consider the most overrated virtue? Well, I would say cautiousness or prudence, you know. Um, because, you know, it kills imagination and it, it prevents from taking initiatives and it is grounded in fear. So uh, I, I would say, yeah, it, I, I'm super prudent, but it, I think it's really no good. <laughs> <laughs> it kept you from all those adventures when you were younger? Yeah, what, a, what adventures when I was younger? Zilon, <laughs> <laughs> on what occasion do you lie? <clears throat> well, all the time. Including now. I mean, uh, in, <laughs> fact, I, <laughs> in fact, I think lying is a very useful skill to avoid conflict, uh, a good way to remain polite. And, and it, 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 it helps me in my life to deal with people who are always wanting to convince you who know best. Oh, please come to the movies when you don't feel like it. And it's easier to say I have a paper to write than, you know, just say, no, I don't just feel a little low or something. Mm -hmm. And so I keep lying, con I, li I lie constantly. <laughs> this, this puts us into a philosophical conundrum because if you're lying with this answer, then we do not know whether you're lying. <laughs> I know, I know. I guess you can feel it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Including now. Yeah, that will make us wonder which of any of the answers we can actually uh, take, take for uh, at face value. What do you most dislike about your appearance? Well, I would say my plumpiness. Let's say it nicely. Uh, my plumpiness. Well, uh, it is something I really don't like, but it also, it's, Something I also like, in fact, in a certain way, because um, it makes me vulnerable. I don't feel I'm, you know, amazing. So I guess it is also better for communicating and for not being a terrible person. Maybe mm -hmm. if I was skinny, I would be horrible. I, who, who knows? <laughs> I never know. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, that's funny. <laughs> uh, which living person do you most despise? Well, none. I would say none, in fact. You know, I think harsh judgment is exhausting because, in fact, if we judge anyone, um, we judge ourselves 10 times more. So I, 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 I stopped doing that. Uh, I don't think it's an, a, an interesting way to, uh, to think. Mm -hmm. So none. I would say. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I, there's a, um, some writing about Proust that talks about how, uh, started by his, his German translator, uh, Walter Benjamin, uh, who said that one of the interesting things about Proust is that he doesn't judge anything or anybody harshly. And he, yeah. and he presents the world and there are all kinds of characters who it's quite easy to dislike in Proust, as you know, yeah. but 
I don't wonder if that suspension of judgment uh, isn't maybe uh, particularly useful in a novelist. Do you find that to be so, that you're not judging your characters when you create them? Well, it, it is. You have to be critical in some way because you have to have a, uh, not a harsh, but you have to have a kind of uh, a little mean strike to look at all the things that are not great in the character because otherwise it would be only nice and really dull and really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you also have to have a kind heart because otherwise, if you can't see what is uh, nice for the person, it doesn't make it a real person. It's just a character and a caricature. So mm -hmm. you do have to have both. And uh, and I, I, I agree with, uh, well, Hust is, uh, is not harsh, but he is, he has the eye for the terrible little things like Francoise, the way she's a little mean and everything. <laughs> she, really, she really doesn't, he, he, he can see things and he can actually deliver the, the, the portrait of someone who, who has uh, the downside, yes. But it, 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 that's why I couldn't say despise, you know, uh, despise couldn't be, couldn't be uh, Proust didn't despise his characters. Yeah, he didn't. And, and I think despising is something totally different than actually seeing the things that can be fun, actually, yeah. in the bad oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. No, and I can, I can say first, from firsthand experience that, that you share that quality with Proust. You're so funny in the little quirks and idiosyncrasies of the characters that you represent. And you're right. It's not, oh, everybody's so wonderful because then there would be nothing to interest us. Yeah. But but also everybody's so horrible, then there's also nothing really to interest us, so. Yeah, and we all have little things. I mean, the, the only thing is not to totally believe it's that important that, you know, what those traits are, so. But it, it, it is a fine line between um, judgment and the sense of, uh, of analysis, which has to, to do with uh, judgment, so. Yeah. Passing judgment in English is supposed to be bad. You're not supposed to pass judgment. Right. But then to analyze, you have to, uh, yeah. what would be the word, to judge? Or yeah. to, yeah, to judge. Yeah, yes, you have to, a bit. Yeah, yeah, interesting. What is the quality you most like in a man? Well, I would say uh, kindness, uh, optimism, because, uh, I really uh, would hate to, I, I really don't like to be with people that I have to lift up all the time. It's terrible. And, and also something that is um, really nice when I see a man like that is someone who can, uh, doesn't take himself seriously. It happens. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's a real quality, I think. And it's usually people that are very bright. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. What is yeah. the quality you most like in a woman? Well, I would say kindness as well, and also uh, solidarity, you know, supportiveness. I am very much into the sisterhood thing where we are <laughs> very much uh, not in competition. I hate competition. So, so yeah, as a, you know, as a friend, that's what uh, for women, that's what I would look for. Which mm -hmm. I have, actually. Mm. Yeah. Which, yeah, those of us who are your friend have it too, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> mm. 
which words or phrases do you most overuse in French or in English in your writing or in life? Are there any that come to mind? Yeah, yeah, there's lots. But in fact, um, in French, I would say it's cuckoo all the time. Cuckoo <laughs> is, a, is a way to say hi there in a, you know, an affectionate and joyful way. And I, I think I start every sentence when I see someone by cuckoo, even by email, I say cuckoo. And sometimes mm -hmm. I have to refrain myself because when it's something important and, and, and kind of uh, official, it doesn't, it doesn't really look good. <laughs> and um, writing, I don't know why, I seem to begin every sentence by car, which means uh, because. And, uh, and when I end up looking at a page, I see like 20, 30 car, and I think, oh my God, when am I doing I, And I can't start it when, you know, if I didn't put the car, and then I have to take it out when I realize mm -hmm. it's bad. Mm -hmm. We, uh, my friend Maurice Samuels, whom you know, who's a, an historian, was on our podcast, and he sort of similarly said that the word however appears way too often in his view, in his writing, but he said he can't think without yeah. however, and that yeah. it's different from but, it's different from yeah. though, and that he yeah. needs it somehow in his thought, but then has to go back and So is it kind of a similar issue for yeah. you with um, exactly. you that? You need yes. that cause and effect? relationship yes. yeah totally and sometimes there is no cause and effect and i still want to find something <laughs> <laughs> just out of habit uh what or who is the greatest love of your life well my children and grandchildren you know and uh yeah and my children i thought i uh, I wasn't totally surprised, <laughs> uh, but my grandchildren was a surprise. So, because I thought, you know, um, I wasn't very prepared. I thought it was much too early for me to be a grandmother. And I really was, uh, yeah, love at first sight type of thing. Yeah. Really? With all of them? Yeah, it, it, it different, not first sight for all of them, but it really came as a, a, a true love history. I mean, it didn't come with the act with the the sense that of course they're my grandchildren it actually took the fact that each of each of them it became like a love story in a different way that's wonderful yeah. cuckoo Susie. i'm gonna just pick up this habit now uh, <laughs> <laughs> cuckoo. when and where when and where were you happiest <laughs> well you know i would just say in fact um uh, it's, it wouldn't be the way I would answer that question because it could be now and anywhere. I think the difference it is between being, being young and aging. Aging is a much happier period, at least for me, than being young because the wonderful thing about getting older is even if you have 1,000 times less happening in your life, you appreciate each moment <laughs> 1,000 times more. And so I would say, uh, you know, now uh, I can be happy anywhere because it's tiny things. It's a conversation with a friend. It's a good day of work. It's, you know, it's a wind blowing in the trees. It's tiny things. So it can be anywhere. Right. Which talent would you most like to have? Well, I would like to be agile with my hands, which I'm not. Uh, I would like to be able, you know, to cook, to sew, to make or fix things 
um, and make the delight of everyday life, you know. I, I am always so impressed with people who know uh, you, when you go to their place, it smells like wonderful coffee and they, they say, and they say, oh, I just have prepared a little tiny cake and then, and, and <laughs> for me, it's none of that. I mean, I can go and buy a cake and I could go and buy a cup of coffee and everything, but it's not a, a talent and I think it's, it's lacking. So, and it could be gardening as well, which I'm oh. very bad at. And I would like lessons if one of you would uh, indulge. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you finding any opportunities to work more with your hands in, in uh, confinement or is the writing taking up too much of your energy and time for that? Well, you know, the thing is, I was telling a friend here in Biarritz that I was going to do this podcast and uh, she didn't know uh, the post uh, questionnaire. So I asked her the question and we exchanged our answers and I told her I wanted to be more agile and she consequently she offered to teach me knitting oh. so i'm taking my first knitting class thanks to you guys on thursday <laughs> excellent that's yeah. a skill i would love to have that talent too how great yeah. so maybe when we'll meet it again i can teach you the, the little things i have learned so yeah, when, would... when we meet again we'd both we'd like a little scarf at least a little scarf <laughs> yeah or a, goal, a goal a goal a tangible goal <laughs> <laughs> if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Well, I would be more daring and more outspoken, more outgoing, more daring. Yes, mm -hmm. I would. Uh, yeah, I would have done amazing things <laughs> by now. <laughs> what do you consider your greatest achievement? Um, well, I would say having become a better and better mother as time went by, and I wrote a book about it um, called Parents Under the Influence, and with the subtitle, which is uh, Words of Wisdom from a Former Bad Mother, so it tells you <laughs> that I started off really on the wrong foot, and I really, I really did not that bad. I did, I did good. So that's really, really something I'm proud of. And the yeah. book is about becoming aware that when your children were around 14 or something, you yes. realized Yes, you were amazing. You yeah, know that. It's really yeah. interesting. And you said you actually realized that you had tried your best as a parent, but somehow it didn't work at all. And then you had to let go of certain expectations. So it's a nice yeah. sort of you yeah. had to change to let your kids become happy rather than yes, them performing for you to be happy for you. So it was you having to change as a parent. Exactly, exactly. And it was also, you know, it, it goes to the other question about the self-loathing. The fact is self-loathing is something that really makes you self-centered and then you're not interested in the person you're talking to. In that, my case, it was my children. And I realized I was so anxious to be a good mother that in fact, I was only thinking about myself and um, not looking at actually what they needed and what actually they could have told me what they wanted which make may, would make my life much easier but no i didn't and also i thought uh i thought i had to um do the opposite of my parents to make it really you know go away the things i didn't like so i had a lot of ideas that were wrong but uh and i almost totally butchered the whole thing by you, you know, because uh, with good intentions. So really that's upsetting. So I'm happy I got out of it at one point. Yeah, yeah. But 
<clears throat> that is an achievement. And it's nice that you have grandchildren now, so you can, this, this generation, you can try from the beginning. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I still have to work, though. My instincts are bad anyway, but I, I, I'm, I'm not doing yep. that bad. So. Yep. Are they still, Cecile, would you still say your instincts are bad? Yes, they are. They are. I'm too stressed out, you know. Mm. I'm too stressed out. I can't relax. I can't, uh, so I still am a little too, too afraid, uh, you know, when I see them. You know, I, I couldn't go to the mountains to see my children ski because, uh, you know, seeing them going down the slope, I, I had, you know, I was about to, to, to throw up because I was so afraid to see the, <laughs> the, the children go down very quickly. So I, I, I know that. So I just say I have to take a nap. I just leave them. I don't want to see it. So I know, I know I have to really... I have to, to be aware that I'm, uh, my instincts are not good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's such a, um, an inspiring approach that you take to parenting too, because it does, you, you make it very clear that it's possible to make progress. It's possible to change yeah. that, you know, yes. it's not all lost if you weren't perfect from day one of having your child or your grandchild or, in my case, because I don't have children, you know that I read your parenting book with a view to how I could improve my relationship with my dogs. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and it's really encouraging to think that there's something we can, we can do better just by bringing yes. a little more thought, a little more wisdom, yes. a little more self-awareness. Well, a lot, of, a lot of thought and a lot of wisdom. And, <laughs> but actually, uh, even very late, I think me, you know, my children were teenagers, but it could work, I know, also when they're adults. I mean, children are so forgiving when you actually are, are truly uh, sorry about not doing that good. They're really, really forgiving. And even <laughs> if mine are actually making fun of me because with that subtitle, they say, you know, uh, the former bad mother, they say, former, former, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> How dare you say former when you're still so horrible? It's yeah, it's hard to imagine any of your your kids saying that, but it's uh, it's yeah. to the sense of humor. I think. Yeah, we're having fun. That's nice. Yeah. If you were to die and come back as another person or a thing, who or what would that be? Uh, it would be an eagle. I've always, oh. <laughs> always been fascinated by eagles. Maybe I was one eagle in a prior life. I don't know. Who knows? You know, I think they're majestic. And the, I, I actually have a couple of, uh, I don't know if they're eagles or, you know, slightly little, uh, more little than eagles here. And they're, you know, circling just above my, me uh, in the garden. And I constantly watch them. I find it mm. absolutely beautiful. Mm. And it looks so much fun to be them. I mean, it looks amazing. <laughs> that huge wingspan and... Yeah, and the wind, you can take it. And it's, it's actually constant play or maybe not, maybe not because they have to feed themselves and they kill my uh, hens. But, oh, but, yeah. uh, but, but it is beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. Yes, I'm fascinated with eagles. Have you seen them kill your hens? Like, have you, have you witnessed no. them... Down. I haven't, I haven't, but, uh, but I was told they really actually go down and, and take the, the hands and I have none left. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're hungry. <laughs> Christina, 
that's a very it's a very funny Nietzschean way of responding. So Nietzsche at this in in the genealogy of morals, he says the eagles can't help being eagles, and they yeah. take little lambs. And when we feel sorry for the lambs, we don't understand the eagle has okay. to take a lamb. And he said the morality is wrong if it doesn't assume that someone has to do certain things. It wasn't advocating murder or something, but yeah. that you have to understand that yeah. this this eagle has to pay Nietzsche an answer. Yes, I agree. No, it's true. It's true. I don't feel sorry at all for my hands. The hands, I mean, the, the eagles have to feed. I mean, you know. <laughs> Uh, where, where would you most like to live? Well, it's a hard question for me because I have lived all over, um, you know. Um, I have lived in Paris, Hong Kong, New York. Uh, I would say I am happy uh, and I, I am happy to be anywhere all over except um, except when it's where it's warm because I have no energy uh, because of the heat and the humidity that seems to be melting my brain so <laughs> if you put my me in a very warm place I'm, I'm terrible otherwise um, I'm not an outdoor person so I can do anywhere very well mm. as long as you don't have to go outside I'm not very much into, you know, the hiking thing and everything. I could look my eagles from inside and, uh, <laughs> and I'm very good around a cup of coffee and chatting better than, uh, than the hiking uh, companion. I'm not that one, no. So, so it makes me very, um, you know, I, I'm not choosy. It, it has to be kind of uh, good weather, not yeah. too, too hot. Okay. What is your most treasured possession? Well, I would say my home in Biarritz uh, because I pamper it constantly. So it'd be the most amazing place in the world, at least to me. You know, it's like my eighth wonder of the world and, I, and it's all fully set for anyone who could want to come and I'm totally prepared. And so, yeah, that's my heaven. You, know. you have enough place. <laughs> yes, uh, well, <laughs> I Never. have room for improvement. <laughs> well, and you say it's your eighth wonder of the world. Isn't there, didn't you tell me that originally it was a house that had burned down when you, when you took it on? So you, you yes. rebuilt it from ashes or how did that work again? What was that story? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I rented different houses in different places of France when I thought I was going to buy a house and in fact, that, you know, southwest of France was my best because of the weather, precisely. Right. And uh, it's mountains, it's, it's the sea and it's everything. And I had an idea in mind um, of one area and I went to see a real estate person. I said, that's what I'm looking for. And don't call me if it's not that area and you don't have an impression of really looking far away without seeing anything. And I waited four years and then the real estate person called me up and said, do you mind if it's totally burned down? I mean, there's nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, I don't. So I went to see it and I said, it's exactly that. But I think I was crazy. I didn't realize, you know, I thought, oh, well, yes, of course, there's a bit of renovation, but in fact, there was nothing left. So it was really a lot of renovation, but it was worth it. Yeah. It was worth it because then I didn't have to, you know, when you have a house and 
you see the bathrooms, you don't really like them, but they're, they're there, so you keep them because you're not going to waste the money. But then there was nothing. So I had, yeah. I had to do it, you know, with my own taste, everything, which was nice. so nice. Yeah, and making it exactly what you wanted. Yes, yes. Uh, what do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? Well, you know, unfortunately, uh, the list is so long. I mean, there's so, so much misery, such misery in the world, you know, hunger, homelessness, addiction, war. I mean, uh, I, I, I couldn't choose. There's so many, too many. Yeah. 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 Mm. What is your favorite occupation? Well, uh, writing, writing, of course. Uh, you know, I can, I keep complaining about it. Uh, I say my writing is too slow, too hard. But in fact, I love every stage of it, and I cannot picture myself doing anything else. So, um, yeah, uh, that's what I, I really like doing. And I could do it anywhere, and I could do it as long as I'm alive, even if I'm totally old and crippled. So it's great. But I think Caroline and I are both filled with like both envy and anxieties, like <laughs> because when writing is, I think I have um, a bit of an ambivalent relation. I find it enjoyable. I want to do it. I also find it hard to do. Yeah, um, you have to force yourself to do it. It's yeah. For other people maybe exercises that or something that you have to do it, and then it's fun when you do it. But it's nice to hear that it's your favorite occupation and you're a writer, which is great. But, but you know, it's horrible. I agree with you. It's totally horrible. It, it keeps you at, at night. You feel guilty when you're not doing it, when you're not doing it properly. I mean, but at the end of the day, when I, I consider that maybe I shouldn't do it, then I feel, no, this is ridiculous. This is the most interesting thing for me to do. And so... Um, yeah, I think the uh, only the idea of that you couldn't maybe preventing it from doing it, then you realize it is important, even if it's not easy. Yeah, when you, it's, when you wrote your book on parenting, um, did it help you to understand what kind of prejudgments you brought to your raising your kids all the time to write it out to actually make sense yeah. how you were how you were raising them? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think maybe that's why I write anything. It's to know what I think, because yeah. I don't seem to be able to think without writing. I don't know. So, so it is to make sense of everything that I could write about, and especially from my parenting book. Yes, I had all those impressions, but as long as you know, I'm not writing it down and thinking what came first, is it you know, my, my regrets from my happiness? Is it my fear? Is it, so all those, putting that down, writing it, and trying to make sense of it, it really made my life, uh, my head, I feel clear now about it, and I can change subject. And in fact, my, my, child, my son tells me I am like a boa constrictor, because when I have swallowed a subject, by mincing it up and writing about it, now I can, you know, I can digest and go to the next one. And uh, so he said, please don't write about anybody that you love because we don't want to be criticized <laughs> and digested. And, you know, and it's a little true, in fact. It has something very monstrous about the way, the process that, um, don't yeah. you think? Yeah. Are you the same? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I also feel I write because I can put the book on a shelf behind me. 
And I yeah. feel sort of I've taken, I've been, I've become sort of accountable for it, but it's not in my head. I can put mm -hmm. it between covers on behind me. Otherwise, it's yeah. in my head, and I actually find it very liberating to publish it. And it's out of it my is, head. huh? And how yeah. many books did you write, Hamidi? I don't know. Plenty, plenty. You can't even count them. A yeah, couple, I can't yeah. count Uli's books either. A couple, I don't know. But it's, <laughs> I like it's fun. It's fun. It's fun in a way, but it's also kind of monstrous because you do get so absorbed into it that it takes over the waking and the sleeping parts of your life. Yeah. So. And sometimes also the children. I remember <laughs> saying to my children, oh, just let me finish that sentence. And then two hours later, I would be, okay. <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> Where are they? Mom, where's dinner? <laughs> you said two hours ago you were going to help us. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. There is that kind of all-absorbing quality. Yeah. And I think it's hard. One of the reasons I am grateful to be friends with both of you is that um, a lot of friends who aren't writers don't understand that mentality and it's not deliberate. It's not because you don't care about someone that you can't think about them while you're thinking about that sentence. It's just two yeah. uh, very different parts of your brain or your soul. And so it's, um, it's always helpful, I think, to be around other writers who get that mm. sometimes you just, you need to go away, you need to do yeah. your thing and that it's not a measure of your, uh, lack of care, certainly not a measure of your lack of care for your children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it takes you two exactly. hours to write a sentence. <laughs> um, what would you think is your most marked characteristic? And Uli and I take that to mean the quality in you that you think other people notice in you the first or the most? Well, um, I would say my friends tell me I am a great listener. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to refrain from giving advice when I'm not asked for any, but uh, I have a tough time doing that. Sometimes I do give it without being asked. But anyway, uh, yeah, I would say I'm a, I'm a good listener, I think. Yeah, so. That's part of why I was excited to have you do this questionnaire is to get to ask you the questions. Um, because <laughs> you are so good at hearing your friends, listening and uh, only offering advice in my experience if asked and it's it's uh as i like to say you're always right so that's helpful <laughs> um, what do you most value in your friends well uh you know their benevolence support loyalty and the laughter we share to me and uh yeah that's super important i don't have many friends but i have very good friends like <laughs> caroline and and uh, yeah, and uh, it's, uh, I couldn't do without those qualities because I wouldn't feel safe and I wouldn't feel um, I could, um, you know, I could be myself. And so it is, uh, and it, it makes life beautiful, actually, friendship. It really does. And, um, and I'm not really into love right now. So it is, <laughs> it, it, I mean, friendship is really, I think uh, such a beautiful thing that can really um, fill up your life with the joy. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Who are your favorite writers? Well, um, you know, I'm sorry because it can only be French writers uh, because, you know, uh, so I would say Flaubert for style, um, maybe Balzac for plot and uh, 
host for observation and humor, I would say. Wow. What a great uh, trinity that's <laughs> and, and broken down so nicely because we've had some other Francophiles and Francophones on our podcast. And I think all three of those writers have come up in various answers, but to have them condensed in that way and to have you explain so concisely for our American listeners why those writers are, are special and valuable is, is really wonderful. It's interesting. Flaubert is kind of the, the paragon of French style, sort of the perfection of yeah. his sentence. Um, one wonders whether Gustave Flaubert would have been happy to be ranked as saying, oh, you do well on style, but Balzac really got it down on the <laughs> I mean, the, the human comedy and writes such endless books with so much plot. So in some ways, and then it's kind of interesting whether there's the writer who would want to think, I'm the stylist who can do plot <laughs> and observation. You know, you have the three qualities. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I know. Well, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe they would be uh, they wouldn't be happy with the the ranking and uh, but you know Flaubert can be so boring. I mean, <laughs> I mean Bouvard and Pécuchet are super boring. Yes. I mean, uh, I mean there are a lot of boring you know and 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 Proust. I know. I mean, I'm talking to the queen of Proust here, and and Proust is is uh, is really sometimes so. Uh, overwhelming by by uh, you know is uh, the the scale of its uh, of its book and so I don't I take it little by little I'm not uh, I I think I never finished actually La Recherche so I'm always a little embarrassed to say so but it's <laughs> and, I think and, plenty of people haven't finished that book <laughs> but I mean even taking bits and pieces is a, is a is totally amazing. Um, mm. It's amazing, but I wouldn't say he's very good with plot. Uh, mm. There is no plot. I mean, there is. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, there's so, none. So too bad, guys. You only work, <laughs> <laughs> only work for one thing. I would Everybody say. can only be good at something. Yeah, Uli, I like when I was in my 20s in New York, my friends and I used to say that you could never have. A, a love relationship, a job, and an apartment you were happy with at the same time. At best, you could only have two of the three. So maybe, yeah, Proust gets style yeah. and observation. Right. Flaubert yeah. gets style and also yeah. probably observation. And Balzac gets plot and observation. I don't know, but that maybe you yeah. can't have all three. Yeah, maybe you could have two, two. Yeah, absolutely. Who and is two your three, you're doing well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Who is your hero in fiction or film or theater? Um, you know, I would say uh, Chance uh, the Gardener, you know, from the movie Being There? Yes. Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, with Peter Sellers and Shirley yes. MacLaine. You know, I love that movie and I love the character, the simple-minded gardener, you know, who becomes the trusted advisor to Washington politician. <laughs> I think it's amazing and so poetic and so deep and so much fun. I mean, um, yeah, I love that character. I, I mean, that's the one that came up in my mind anyway. About that in a long time. It's um, Jersey Cousin. It's a. No it's actually the novel is quite. It's quite beautiful. I read it um, three years ago when Trump was elected, and it's. Oh yes, it's, it's, it was a novel huh? before. I didn't a novel that. by Jersey Kozinski, who also wrote *The Painted Bird*. It's a Holocaust book, um, but oh. it's a quite. It's a quite beautiful novel because you follow 
people being seduced by his simplicity and by him not yeah. giving answers. They fill yeah. in, you can see how they're filling in everything. Yeah. So he, he allows them all to imagine and he gives them what they want. It's very beautiful to read. It's, very, it's also a very short little book. Nice. Oh, okay. I should read it. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, uh, and it's very true in life. In fact, people are, uh, they project most of the time uh, what they think about you. And, um, and simplicity is something that is super powerful. Uh, so, so I think it's, I think it's a wonderful, um, it's a wonderful metaphor or a character, probably. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which historical figure do you most identify with? Well, you know, I didn't go very far. I, I chose Madame de Sévigné uh, oh. because uh, she was a writer. She was, uh, she was a good observer. She was uh, not blue-stocking. She was friend uh, with uh, the philosopher La Rochefoucauld. And so, you know, I write, I like to observe. I'm not at the Cour de Ver I'm not at Versailles, but uh, I, I like to say it's wonderful to be friends with very brilliant people like, uh, you know, like you. And um, so I could be Madame de Sévigné. I think it's perfect. <laughs> oh, that, it is perfect. Well, and also her great letters are written to her daughter. Exactly, exactly, Madame de Grignon. And uh, yeah, and I mean, I did start that way writing. Uh, I, you know, when I was eight years old, my parents received friends for the summer and they were, and I kept a diary and I was um, describing all those people, the way they dressed, the, what they were saying and everything. So I, 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 I started like that. I don't know what I did with those things that were probably awfully bad, but I mean, that's the way I, I started off. So that's, I never knew that. Uh, and you know, of course, that I'm a longtime uh, fan of your writing. I never knew that that was your, your yeah. beginning as a writer was that. Yeah. And yeah. these kinds, of, and it was mostly sort of sociological observations, psychological observations. Well, about it, yeah, if, you, if you can say so for an eight year old, but <laughs> But it wasn't, uh, you know, it was my my take on these people because some of them were very nice and very nice, especially with children. Other were were very snobbish and and very despising of kids. And so I think I took revenge in those little. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but it was observation and um, of their way of uh, of yes of looking and appearing and. Uh, uh, you know, some of them very, how do you say that, double face? How do you say that? No, Two-faced. Uh, Two-faced, yes, yes. Uh, who are your heroes in real life? Well, you know, I would say all those uh, who extend themselves to others. So, you know, doctors, uh, first responders, you know, the parents of special needs children, all the people who do that. I, I'm super... Um, you know, I'm super, admir uh, I admire them. And most of the time that nobody knows them, they're not famous, they're not <laughs> rewarded by, by money They're And they're, yeah, they're amazing. And so I would say that. Yeah. What are your favorite names? Well, you know, uh, not to be uh, obsessed, but I would say the names of my children and grandchildren because, and you know, they have beautiful names, Laure, Pierre, Alice, and, but the reason why I would say that it, 
it is because I noticed that it is the person behind the name that makes me like a name anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, when people around me choose a name for a newborn or a dog, sometimes I'm not crazy about the name, but then I meet the baby or the dog and then I end up loving the name. So it is not the name, it is the person that makes me like the name. So of course, then all the, all my children and grandchildren would be the favorite names. Yeah. Well, and they have very international names too, your grandchildren. Yeah. Your children yeah, have French so, names. Yeah, because my, my children are Laure, Pierre and Alice, which are very French. And then I have the Russian names because my son lives in Russia and married a Russian lady. Uh, Maya, Asia, Marussia, Uliana, Timur. And then I have my daughter who lives in uh, South America, in Uruguay. So she has Olivia and Balthazar, and then, um, and then my daughter Alice is not yet up to doing, uh, having children, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, so it is, um, uh, so I'm very uh, fan of Google Translation uh, <laughs> to, uh, to try and make a Spanish-Russian connection. <laughs> nice. And uh, I'm better at Spanish than in Russian, I can tell you. <laughs> Cecilia, what is it that you most dislike? Well, I could say, you know, of course, cruelty, nastiness, but, with, but also stinginess, which I hate, mm. and pretentiousness uh, are the two things, you know. Um, yeah, stinginess makes, drives me, it really, I, I really don't like it, and it has nothing to do with having money or no money. Uh, and pretentiousness is, yeah. Uh, it's not that as bad as cruelty, of course, and nastiness, of course, but it still is a little bit, well, it's good for books, you know, they make good characters, the pretentious <laughs> Yeah, I guess maybe stinginess too. Have you ever written a stingy character? I can't, I'm sure there are no. Pretentious people in your books, but um, no, no, I haven't. And I have read a book recently uh, about a stingy character, and that describes the process of uh, within one's head when you're stingy, and it it scared me to death because I thought it would be horrible, but it's even worse than I thought because it's kind of a a narrative that is so how do you say mesquin, so um, so um sly uh yeah i mean it, it's it's so sad to have this kind of narrative in your head uh that i you know it, it it's uh yeah it really drives me uh it, it, it really think i think it's horrible <laughs> yeah yeah i i once in I, I had once had a boyfriend who i knew was stingy and what really uh put me over the edge and made me not want to see him anymore was one day when we all went out with a big group of friends for brunch in New York City. And at the end, he surprised me by saying, oh, let me take the bill. And I thought, oh, this is nice. I've never seen this man take the bill for anything. And uh -huh. then I noticed that he, he took it so that he could divide up the bill for how much everyone had to pay. <laughs> was, even that was okay, except I realized that he divided by one less person. So he made everybody pay but himself. Oh, and no! I saw oh. him take oh, all the money. <laughs> Wow. And, pay it and give himself a free brunch. And I just thought, yeah, I, I can't. That's not somebody I can spend my time with. <laughs> yeah, what? Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what is your greatest regret? 
Well, you know, there again, uh, aging is a very good thing because I realized that regretting anything I did or didn't do is totally pointless mm -hmm. because uh, the things I did wrong uh, were probably necessary lessons and the things I did not attempt to do were probably not meant to be so, you know, so mm -hmm. why bother? I mean, um, actually, it doesn't, I mean... Hopefully, I don't have a deep, deep, deep regret that would stick up. Mm -hmm. So I could, I'm not dwelling on the little things because it's no point. So mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not regretting anything. <laughs> How would you like to die? Well, uh, I would say surrounded by my loved ones and, and in no pain, please, no pain. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your motto? Uh, it would be uh, be kind to yourself and others. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Cecile, for joining us thank today. You. Thank you very much to both of you. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, and we hope you'll get to see some eagles later today. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Let thank us know. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 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 Bye.